There were things I never do again, but then they always seem right. I'm telling you, that's. I'm going to say it, and I think that Stevie will back this up. That's pretty good. Is it the mics that make us sound as good as we sound? Before we even jump into the episode with Stevie Franks, who was phenomenal. Marcus, how good was that interview that we did? Amazing. So good. So good. We can't wait for everybody to hear it. It was so good. Uh, We have a huge announcement to make. Marcus and I will be leaving on a jet plane. To an undisclosed location. That sounds, it sounds like it's a hostage situation. It's not. Uh, We're actually headed to the mothership. We are going to Instructure, Salt Lake City, Utah, the end of the month. We couldn't be happier. Hanging out with all the campus people. We have tons of things planned. Yes, I can't wait. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's been on the calendar now for a bit. We're in that weird space before the hard work happens, right? (laughs) We're excited about, we're excited about the trip. We're, we're looking forward to it. We get to meet some of the people that we've been talking to sort of virtually. But with that being said, we're going to be busting our butts uh, for a couple of days out there, getting some work done and getting some content ready for for our listeners. And right. we haven't quite started that <laughs> that quite yet. One of the big things that we hope to do is just interview a number of folks that are actually inside the monster that created this incredible tool we call Canvas. Also, I believe we're working on possibly a live show from Utah on a brand new platform. And obviously we'll give you all the details on our Twitter account. So you want to stay locked to future shows and details on that. We're also going to be doing a ton of content on social media for the trip. Live periscopes, uh, <laughs> it's a little bit of vlogging while we're, you know, headed there. We're just really excited and we want you to join in on the journey. So make sure that you're following on all social media platforms. And typically we use Twitter for a lot of that stuff, but we're excited for you guys to be a part. You know, the goal though, is kind of to just share the experience uh, with everybody and, uh, you know, kind of take you along for the ride as you can kind of see the behind the scenes of of how we are going to be making some content happen. And I'm more concerned at the number of times that we'll have to tell each other, like, be cool, be cool, Marcus. I know this is a big deal, but let's hang, let's, let's be cool. <laughs> we cannot go any further without talking about another contest that we've launched on Twitter. Yeah, so we we were talking and we had some canvas swag and you know I it dawned on me um uh, mainly because my wife said, "Um honey, no Valentine's Day gifts this year." And I spent, you know, a day or oh. so trying to figure out what that really meant. Right. Is that like her way of telling me that we really aren't doing gifts or or she wanted to get a gauge on whether I'd already gotten a gift? That's low key. L- low key, low for key, sure. Like, and I'm a little worried because I'm not sure if I read her correctly, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> the contest, though, was inspired by that because it dawned on me that Valentine's Day was coming up. So we decided that, hey, let's sort of frame this out and we want our listeners, our followers on Twitter, our followers on Instagram and Facebook, everybody to fill out that form. Uh, there's a there's a Google form attached to all of those tweets, all those posts, and ultimately it's a basic form to nominate a fellow educator, uh, somebody who you think is doing great things in your building, in your district, uh, and just sort of give them some love. And so then all of those responses we're going to put in a very large 
10 gallon hat and uh, we're going to pull some names and send out some canvas swag. Don't want you to wait any longer. We're going to jump right in with Stevie Frank. And honestly, uh, we have to be up front. We have had some audio issues the last few episodes that we're not crazy about. <laughs> and we have killed off uh, one of the platforms that we previously used. Maybe we shouldn't say the name, but we're, we are killing that platform off. <laughs> today. Rest in peace. We're, Right. We're Um, we're trying something new and we're really excited about possibly getting away from having to do extra work to get the episode to the level that we'd like. So you might hear a few glitches uh, during this episode, but hopefully nothing that distracts you from the great content that Stevie puts down. So uh, without further ado, here is episode 14 with Stevie Frank on the Canvas Casters podcast. Welcome to episode 14 of the Canvas Casters podcast with Stevie Frank, a fifth grade humanities teacher at Zionsville West Middle School in Zionsville, Indiana. She has been teaching for 11 years now in three different school districts. Stevie is also a yoga teacher at Invoke Studio and has practiced yoga for 10 years, loves to travel, and fun fact, her wedding certificate is in Greek. And she loves spending time with her kids, which are 3, 1, and 15. Her passions in education are all about critical literacy. Stevie has written two published articles and has written vignettes in three to four different books about the work her students have done. Stevie has worked with Dr. Chris Leland around disrupting the commonplaces of our readers and getting them to interrogate texts. Right now, her EDU passions are focused on equity in the classroom and building cultural understandings. Welcome to the Canvas Casters podcast, Stevie. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be here. We, uh, when we were talking about this before we started, but Eddie and I are really excited to to have you on as a, as a Indiana Canvas user. And now the things you're doing with, uh, sort of dipping your toe into podcasting as well. You're the, you're the perfect guest to be on the show. So we're really excited. Uh, So we want to go ahead and just jump right into it here uh, and talk a little bit of canvas LMS. Now for, for me, I'm a, I'm, I'm a secondary teacher. I taught high school English, middle school English, and uh, Eddie's got his experiences in the the middle high school range as well. So you're going to have to be the expert here because you're currently teaching fifth grade. Uh, So we are going to have to depend on you to show us the light uh, as it pertains to Canvas with what we would consider littles. As a Canvas user, Uh, With your classes, can you describe what using Canvas adds to your day-to-day classroom dynamic? What does it allow you to do that really impacts learning in your classroom? So the littles, as we were referring them to, um, I'm their first grade where they get the one-to-one laptop experience. So for a lot of these kiddos, it is just brand new information. So I know it seems simple, but it's even just like, how do I set a homepage? How do I log in? How do I print? Those are the types of questions that we get. So what I love about Canvas is the fact that it makes it so user friendly that our kids are able to actually log in and are able to get it. Um, So the fact that they can wrap their minds around it is just phenomenal to me. So parts that I really like the best are just the ease of communication. So the student to student, student to teacher, if they have a question, they know how to hit to the inbox. They know how to hit, you know, compose message and they're able to talk with me, which is pretty cool. Um, I've also taught them how to 
construct an email because a lot of times you'll get a subject where it's just like, hey, and then in it, it's like, why is my grade this, you know, and you're like, oh, geez, like, let's talk about how do we construct an email? So it's fun. It's messy, but it's fun. So I love the ease of communication that Canvas offers. Well, hey, fun fact, uh, while you're talking about constructing emails, um, I, I've had plenty of 17 and 18 year olds, high school seniors uh, with that same exact email. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, hey. You know, uh, hey, painter. And then that's the subject line. And then it's what's up with my grade, bro? You know, that kind of thing. So I can I can I can relate to that. The email barrier also uh, the email barrier also affects 25 and 30 year olds. (laughs) So I don't think (laughs) it's anything that we can just pin students on. Right. Stevie, we were I'd like Marcus said, we're almost a little too excited to have you join us today. But Marcus and I have been anticipating having an elementary teacher on for a long time. Uh, There was some cheers and jeers from our Twitter fam that's been kind of asking, like, can we get a Canvas for Littles episode? We've had secondary on. um, We've had academia on. Like, it's been this crazy whirlwind and we haven't done it on purpose. By no means have we neglected uh, the Canvas for Littles episodes because they're going to come in a flurry here now that we've recognized there might be a little bit of an audience that we've missed out on. Um, And Marcus knows that I'm really on the fence about the use of technology for little kids. As my daughter grows older, I'm constantly asking myself, kids at that pre through first grade stage, how much technology do we really need to expose them to? And as you said, kind of the first grade, they're being exposed to one to one. So as an elementary teacher in that upper grade level, uh, what was your initial reaction to using Canvas? I was very excited um, actually to get to delve into the world of technology with students, with fifth graders, because I felt like there was just this, you know, when I was teaching without it, I felt like I wasn't teaching to the world the kids knew. So, for example, whenever I would teach a lesson about let's say giraffes and a question would come up. My first response would be, well, let's go, let's Google it. Let's look it up. And we couldn't do that. And so whenever I joined Zionsville school corporation and it was one-to-one, it was, Oh, now we can, you know, and that was really cool to be able to open that door up, which I was so excited to see. I also noticed it makes it, I would much rather my kid learn how to use technology in the classroom rather than try to figure it out on their own because my generation is the generation where we were, you know, Facebook came out when I was in college. So that was something I don't remember growing up with. Texting happened after I graduated. So I feel like sometimes we as a society aren't very technologically savvy. You know, we'll look down at our phones when we're not supposed to and those sorts of things. And I feel like if we're teaching them to do that in the classroom, they're going to be much better digital citizenship, um, better citizens in order to really make sure that they're aware of, hey, I have this really cool looking device in front of me and this glowing and there's things that are popping up left and right. But I have to stay focused on the person that's talking because that's important. So I teach my kids a lot about that digital citizenship piece where if there's somebody that's talking to you, I want you to be present in the moment instead of worrying about this really pretty shiny thing that's in front of you. That's a tough conversation uh, to have with fifth graders, I'm sure. I have uh, had a very similar conversation with eighth graders, and uh, I actually had almost that exact conversation with an entire staff of middle school teachers 
yesterday. <laughs> so I'm listening to you talk about that. And I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yep. Nailed it. Um, because uh, I, I was showing um, to sort of piggyback off of that. I was showing uh, some accessibility options for, for teachers to use to help struggling learners. Uh, and I turned on the captions of the slides to show them that you could close caption slides as you were talking. And I said, and I, I kind of let it run for a little bit. And of course, what happens when the captions are there, all the eyes go to the captions and they're reading the captions. And I said, Hey, and I'm, I'm snapping my fingers. I'm like, Hey, I'm right here. You're listening to me. You don't have to read that. And so it was it was kind of funny just how how it naturally happened. But um, that technology and, and sort of where it's where it's placed in our lives and then how to how to properly use it is super important. And I'm glad to hear that you're talking about that at that that age level. I mean, I'm hoping there'll be a change. You know, I'm just wondering if it was because we were all handed these devices and nobody taught us how to use them we were just handed them and they were amazing. You know, everything could be at your hands and we all were amazed by it and kids are amazed by them too. So I'm hoping that with these lessons and that with this, you know, in the moment and they're learning with these tools that we're able to give them what they need in order to actually take this into their everyday. And I do the rundown with them, you know, kind of tell them, I tell them the funny story the reason why I'm like, I think this is so important was there was one time I called my grandfather and I could hear that it was really busy in the back. And I'm like, Grant, what are you, where are you at? What are you doing? And he's like, President Obama is speaking. And I'm like, what in the world are you doing answering your phone? I was like, get off of your phone, listen. And so it just goes to show it's the youngest and the oldest. And hopefully we can teach, we could teach the littles, you know, to show us the way. I love that. <laughs> I'm picturing I'm picturing your grandfather like I don't know the man. I'm just picturing him and it's just like, no, come on, Gramps, pay attention. Fantastic. <laughs> so, so we've talked to, we've kind of been hinting at this uh this question that I'm I, I want to ask you because the the whole concept and I've had numbers of conversations with teachers at all grade levels about you know when we design content when we build out content a lesson uh, a module something along those lines in our LMS pick an LMS ours happens to be Canvas but when you're building that content and you're thinking about your audience fifth grade uh, when I'm thinking about my audience at this point eighth graders and 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 frankly at this point teachers, adult learners. Um, Eddie's got high school folks. He's got adult learners. He's doing PD for teachers. The same thread comes up so many times and, and, and it's about knowing your audience and how to design so that they can thrive uh, within, within what you're providing. So in terms of talking about Canvas with your fifth grade humanities class, um, are there any strategies that you have used or seen used by other people that you think teachers should consider giving a shot themselves? I think the biggest thing is, is trying to get out of the mindset that they have to do everything pen and paper. Like if they don't do a pen and paper, then, you know, it's not going to be authentic or the number one complaint I would think I hear is it just takes so much more time. And it does at first because you have to teach your kids 
how to access different places. You have to teach them where to click. You have to teach them where to go to find this. But then once they've learned the nuances of it, then they're able to get on there more frequently. So what I love about Canvas is that, say, for example, they just turned in um, an Explore journal that they completed. And so on Canvas, they have that rubric to where I could write on there, um, you know, because we're a standards-based grading system here in Zionsville, where I gave them five different grades for this journal, and one of those grades being writing, uh, word choice. And so if a student used a particular word that I was like, nah, you know, we need to come up with a stronger word choice, I can go right into their place, um, right into their paper, highlight it, and write the note off to the side. And I find myself writing more feedback, like academic feedback, than I did before. So because... A, there's more room on the paper, quote unquote. I'm, you know, writing paragraphs off to the side. And then I'm able to, they're able to actually see and understand what I'm talking about. And I really like that. So then whenever they're trying to redo an assignment, they can simply just go back to my feedback, see what they need to change exactly, and then they can make those corrections and then resubmit it. So then that way I can say, did you learn what you were supposed to learn, you know, and show me evidence of that. So I would say that would probably be my biggest, my biggest plus with that. It does take longer, but I don't know. I like, I like it. I like using it a lot more and I don't have to make copies. So I don't have to worry about, you know, being caught with like a deer in headlights because I forgot to make copies, which I'm really bad at. So Details of InstructureCon 2020 have finally been released and you don't want to miss your chance at this exciting three-day educator-led professional development. Everything you've heard through the past 10 plus episodes, the insights, the student success, the tech, it can all be at your fingertips and your guitar picks as InstructureCon heads to Nashville July 28th through July 30th at the Gaylord Opryland Convention Center. Also, the call for proposals is now open. Don't wait. Submit today and see you in Nashville. Links can be found in our show notes as well as following InstructureCon on social media platforms. And we're back here with Stevie Frank, and we wanted to transition into talking about this amazing student podcast project that she's been working on with her students. So, Stevie, you've recently started a podcast project with your kids. Tell us about where and how this idea came about. Wow. So let's let's start from the very beginning, right? I love podcasts personally, and I've recently gotten into them, I'd say about six months ago. Um, my husband's been telling me about them for years, but apparently I don't realize something unless I stumble upon it myself. But I'm like, hey, have you heard about these things? He's like, yes, yeah, Stevie. So I started listening to them and I, I just, I loved how organic they seemed. Um, I felt like it was just taking it back in time to radio days, right? I love old radio. The the whole conversation, when you start saying like, I love old radio and it was like, oh, you're speaking my language. (laughs) Yeah. Eddie just got goosebumps. So I love, I love old radio. I love NPR. I think um, they bring the news to me um, in a way that makes sense to me. And that seems as bipartisan as you can try to be. Then I had a parent send me an email and she said, Hey, have you heard about this student? podcast challenge. And I'd kind of heard it on the radio. And I felt that by a parent being like, Hey, have you heard about this? I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try, I'm gonna try to make this happen. And so that 
um, I had that in the back of my mind. And then, so I have 10 different reading groups total. So since I teach middle school, I have um, two different classes. So I have about 50 kids. And I had each of them choose a book that they wanted to read. Um, they were the identity novels is what I refer to them as. And each of the books had an amazing story to tell. And each of those really talked about someone's identity being defined by either a disability or a difference or something of that sort. And so I was like, man, I really wanted to do something with these novels. And I wanted them to teach the other kids that didn't read about their book. I wanted them to teach the other kids about what they walked away with. So then I was, I had this, you know, email in the back of my mind and I like podcasts and I'm like, you know what, we're just, we're just going to do it. Um, so I asked the kids when they finished, I said, here's your audience, you know, your authentic audience of Zionsville West middle school students. What do you want to teach them? And so from there, I worked with the groups very closely on, you know, what they wanted to teach, where they wanted to kind of morph their ideas. And so I now have nine podcasts um, for my students. So (laughs) it wasn't just one, it was nine. And I've gone back and forth between it. I've heard, I've actually listened to the students podcast podcast, which is about where teachers go on and discuss how podcasting was like with their students. And I heard them say like, whatever you do, only do one. And so here I am, you know, going doing the crazy thing. What I really liked about it, though, is it made every single student engaged. So we would go up to the library and we would record that our library has four different rooms. And so the students would go into the rooms as quiet as we could make them and they would they would start to record. So I felt that it was you know, with them being such smaller groups that every kid had a role. So maybe one kid was, you know, an expert on how to edit the podcast. And then another kid was an expert on the script writing. And so then that way the engagement level was high for every single student. Um, And I actually got observed during this time. So talk about, you know, the most unstructured time. And my principal loved it. He said this, he said, you know, every kid was engaged. He said that he even stayed back into the rooms and listened in on them. And he said that they were definitely, um, definitely all engaged, all hands on. He said, as soon as I would leave the room, cause I would give them feedback every single day. Um, I would meet with each group and we would discuss certain parts when to re-record add more personality. Um, They would sit there and work their little tails off to try to make it happen. And I felt like the beauty of it all was just because I wasn't their audience. Their audience was somebody greater. You had that automatic buy-in. Everything about what you just said speaks to what we ultimately, Eddie and I have ultimately been saying about podcasting uh, as long as we've been sort of banging the drum. Um, It's that student ownership piece and it's that it's that concept that they're creating something that they have they have goals and intentions for this but it's it's created by them and they they truly own it and because of that they want so badly to make it great it's crazy the growth that's happened in the short amount of time that I've been out of the classroom when I was teaching audio video production. I I felt like I couldn't get any kid to get excited about podcasting. And in four years, everyone wants to do a podcast. (laughs) So it is exciting to hear the engagement and the enthusiasm that's happening in a fifth grade classroom like yours. 
it's that's what gets me excited. I know we've talked before and you've asked some questions about like, you know, how do I get started or where would you start? And I, I've tried to help where I can, but it's it always makes me happy to hear that other teachers are having success in that platform. And I'm so excited. I can't wait to hear like what your kids come up with and how they do in the challenge. I'm excited, too. I I would definitely have to say what what bought the kids in was that I had them listen to podcasts beforehand. So like a month before, and I was even thinking about it with them and I'm like, Hey guys, I'm pretty sure we're going to make podcasts, but you know, I, I, we need to listen to them. Um, so just like any writer's workshop, you begin, you immerse yourself in that genre. Um, so I kind of did that with them. So I created a module on canvas and I found all of these different wonderful resources and I've Put, posted it to my Twitter page too, but I shared it to Campus Commons and they were just different podcasts that I've, I literally just Googled, you know, podcasts for kids and I previewed them to make sure that they were kid appropriate. And so I got the kids' buy-in from that because they were able to listen to a few of those and be like, oh, like I'm really into this. And so then it was just the coolest thing because I had them write a list of noticings. Like, what do you notice about a podcast? What makes a podcast a podcast? So then the different conversations that they came with was just so they, I will never forget this one quote from this one little kiddo. He said, I get to just sit and relax and do nothing else but listen. And I was just like, that's so powerful because when do these kids ever sit and just listen? So I thought that that was the coolest thing. The approach that you, you've taken and sort of the ph- philosophy uh, that you're enacting with this project is very much wh- what Eddie and I have talked about, not only with podcasting, but with, you know, for example, school news you know, um, that's a big thing too. having students create the school news on video. Uh, and in, in my building, we have fifth graders in the building where I'm housed and they do school news every day on video. And everything that you just said is exactly the kind of stuff that that teacher and I were working on with 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 her kids. You know, um, they they know what news looks like. And in your case, now they know what podcasts sound like. And so they know they've got that sort of model example to follow. And it's just really cool to see um, see that play out in, in such young, young people. It has been one of the neatest, neatest experiences to see my kiddos. One of the biggest hurdles that I think teachers face in general is taking an idea like in your case, this podcast and, you know, you're talking about, and again, you're speaking to my heart because I'm a former English teacher. So when you're talking about uh, connecting the literature to the podcast and, and, and the process and all these things, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Uh, But one of the biggest hurdles that I think teachers have is teachers are all about having good ideas but I think what's the biggest challenge I see is you have the big idea. How do you actually, you know, sort of pull the bandaid, put it into motion, take the leap the way that you did with this. Um, so how did you overcome the hurdle and actually get to the action phase of podcasting with your students? What I felt like, what I felt like was the biggest hurdle was just the power of positive thinking, right? Where if you think you can do it and you're like, yep, I can do this. This is going to be positive. I think that would be the biggest message that I hope gets out today is 
if you have that, like, yep, I'm going to do this. And, you know, it might be messy at times, but I'm just going to do it. And I think what was the coolest thing was I told my kids at the beginning, I've never done this before. <laughs> I was like, so we're in this together. So I said, if something, if something doesn't make sense, or if you feel like, you know, okay, how do, how does this work? I was like, definitely work with that on me. Um, my first two big steps was the first one is Eddie, I reached out to you on Twitter and you were more than happy to reach out with me and um, share some of your information with me to say, here's, here's what the, here's what it looks like. Here's some microphone ideas. Here are some, the framework I thought was huge. So to me, I just didn't understand the structure of a podcast. I'm like, how does it sound? They all kind of sound similar. And you gave me that framework where it was like your title and intro, that's about a minute. And then you have your transition piece and that's about three minutes. And I felt like once I had that, I was like, okay, well, there's my planner, you know, thinking, connecting to writing, there's the organizational piece. And so that really made it helpful for me. Um, the second big piece was NPR's student podcast challenge has amazing resources online really just huge resources online. They were just amazing. And so once I started combing through that, I was like, whoa. Or you didn't even need me once you saw the NPR stuff. You were like, oh, I got it. Oh, no. This is all I need. <laughs> and then when I read it, when I read it, I was like, no one will ever ask me for anything ever again, because this pretty much explains everything it you need was... to know. <laughs> Thanks a lot, NPR. But no, you gave me the organization of it. And I think that was what, like I said, that was huge. Um, it made a lot of the kids and it made script writing happen. So I felt like if they didn't have that, I felt like that opened a ton of doors for kids. Um, but once I got on there, I'm a PowerPoint person. So I just started literally clipping, you know, things and adding them to PowerPoints. And I'm like, okay, this is kind of what NPR is telling me to do. So I'm going to kind of try to try it. And, uh, you know, some of it was in the moment I realized while teaching, I'm like, no, I'm not going to have them do that. I'm going to have them do this instead. Um, so a lot of it too, I tried to do is I went back and I reflected. So after a couple of days, I would go back to my PowerPoint and be like, okay, what would I tweak? Cause I want to do this again. And I wanted it to be something that I could hand over to another teacher and be like, here's how to do it. Or here's how I did it. Um, because that was the piece was piecing all the information together for me was the hardest. And so if I can hand something over to someone and make their life easier, then I'm all about it. So, um, so I, I did that as well. Um, I also got in touch with Kyle Bimefor put me in touch with Audrey O'Claire from Soundtrap. And so she's amazing. She's so amazing. Um, and she ended up giving us this extended trial, um, for our kids to try out with. And she, I think Zoom called with us for about like 45 minutes and was like, hey, here's how to try it. She put me in touch with her Padlet, which had a ton of more additional resources as well um, that kids could use. And so um, she put me in touch with that podcast, the student podcast podcast, put me in touch with Listen Wise. I mean, there was so many things that I felt like once I had those three things in place, I was like, okay. I think I can do this. And so, yeah, that's, that's how we got to do it. 
it's always scary when you start a project like that. And I think the first time we talked, I saw kind of the look in your eye, which is like, I'm really excited about this, but I don't know where to start. And I'm a little fearful, <laughs> um, but I, but I want to do it. And that's what, I think that's what separates really good teachers and teacher leaders in our kind of education industry, which is just like, I'm fearful, but I'm going to do it because I'm excited about it. And I know it will increase student engagement. I know kids will get fired up about this. So if I'm using Canvas and I'm a fourth, fifth, sixth grade teacher, what sort of things, Stevie, would you tell them? Like what type of things could you go back and tell yourself at the start of this project that might make it a little bit easier as you were building out so kind of that content? Quarterback. We're putting you in the time machine. We're sending you back. What are you telling? What are you telling Stevie sitting in that chair going, I don't know. I'm a little scared. Stevie, sit down. It'll be okay. Patting her back, you know. Um, I would just say the biggest things is don't be afraid to ask for help. I reached out to, you know, um, Eddie, I reached out to you. I was like, hey, you know, I'm like, help, drowning over here. I had a one-on-one -on -one conversation with Audrey, um, also from Soundtrack, because I'm just like, hey, I just need some help. And so she, you know, Zoom called me in and worked with me really closely to help me to understand some different nuances. I also had some great brainstorming sessions. Um, Mr. Coach K, on as he's known in Twitter, but here at Zionsville West, he is Mr. Knieven. Um, he was a big sounding board for me where I was just like, hey, I'm kind of having these ideas. Can I just talk them through? Um, so he really kind of helped to be my sounding board for that, too. I would just say talk with people. Um, that was helping, too. And then another big thing was give kids roles. So when I first started to, you know, I noticed some students were more available to be like, I want to be, I want to, I want to talk. I want to speak. I want to be a host. And then I have the more shyer types who are like, I don't really want to do that. You know, I just want everybody else to do it. I just maybe want to write the script. Um, one particular student that's standing out in my mind was he had a hard time with connecting with them because day one, he was just like, I hate reading. And I'm like, all right, dude, you know, well, you know, I'm coming like, it's just about the right book, you know, <laughs> like, let me, it all change. And, you know, it's like reaching into, you know, December and that hasn't happened yet. And so he, I told him, I was like, Hey buddy, how about I put you in charge of Soundtrap? So I gave him that role. I'm like, you go on. Cause he's huge into YouTube. What kid isn't, you know? And I'm like, go watch some YouTube videos about how to's about Soundtrap. Um, Soundtrap actually had like built-in videos for tutorials, but then there was other ones um, put on by PRX that had video tutorials of how to create podcasts. So I had him do those and he was like, you know, that was his role. Well, since we just, we just finished podcasting actually last Friday, we are done. Um, he has just totally done a 180 in my class. He is engaged in everything that we're talking about. He's on task. He was he got to shine. And in that setting where sometimes he hasn't seen that light, he got to, and it was just really cool. So that was, that was one of the highlights of also utilizing something different in my classroom to see him, you know, kind of brighten up, if you will, because he was quote unquote, the expert. So he was like, Oh, you know, like, let me teach you, let me help you. And he really, he really did well there. Those stories that's, you know, you're saying, Oh, he's pulled a 180 in my class. Um, that will stick because that's the kid. It's our job. It's, it's part of our job to find a way to reach that kid. And so you, you found that way and you found a way to give him some shine, if you will. And he's got confidence. 
you know, he's built some confidence now. He's ready to go. So I just, I just love that. I love that. And I love when I, I love getting to see that and hear stories like that. One of the things we always do on the podcast is we always want to know what is in your Canvas backpack. What are the three things that you do within Canvas that you think make your life easier, really impact students, uh, or something that you just think everybody ought to be doing this? What's in your Canvas backpack? My Canvas backpack, I would have to say, so I spoke to the rubrics, um, the speed grader in Canvas, and I think that is phenomenal as, you know, we talk about, especially with, you know, teacher rubrics, for example, when we're like, how are we being graded? Um, Academic feedback is always on there. And I felt like it was difficult to write a lot on a piece of paper, especially a written paper. But when I was able to actually go back and type, I, I wrote, I type more because I'm a faster typer. Um, so that was great. Um, as a, as we talk about the littles, um, Canvas also has the availability to have a student view. And so whenever I noticed, okay, how am I going to tell the students, show the students how to submit an assignment? So for some that just might be, you know, oh, okay, I already know how to do that. But for fifth graders, that's a big to do. So the fact that I can on Canvas switch to student view and then I can go through, okay, how do you upload a file? How do you go find that file? How do you know, you know, what to name it instead of document, you know, 298. (laughs) So that helped them a lot. Um, And yeah, I would say... Canvas modules for just the availability to get content out in an area. So like I'll use like discovery ed videos or newsella articles, or, you know, just like I did with the different podcasts where I'm like, where's one place I can find a home for all of this information that they can easily access. And for fifth graders, that is huge. It might seem little um, if you're dealing with the older students, but it's it's huge for fifth graders. That's something that we find when we talk to people and we talk about the Canvas backpack and, you know, what are you doing and what are you using? You know, yes, certainly people have come on the show and just had, you know, very sort of high level, deep sort of technical stuff. That's amazing. Uh, But like you're talking about student view and you're talking about student view as a means of modeling and showing sort of the click by click for your students, which I love. Um, I use that. I use student view all the time because I'm a very nervous person. (laughs) And so when I put something up there, I immediately think to myself, what's it look like for them? And so I go student view and I go and I look at it from the other perspective to make sure that it, it makes sure it's right. You know, so student view is great for modeling and for the click by click. Uh, but it's also really great for peace of mind, <laughs> frankly. The other thing that we always try to ask people here, Stevie, and you touched upon it a little bit when we were talking earlier on some people, we'll definitely put Audrey O'Claire in the in the show notes for people to to contact if they're interested in this type of thing. But who are you following on social media? Who are your go-tos when it comes to either Canvas LMS users or uh, a podcasting? What are some resources out there for people to kind of track down when they're thinking about starting this project? So I definitely takes a village. I think that is my, my main theme. Don't try to do anything by yourself. 
there's always people willing to help. Um, I would have to give a shout out to, I talked about him a little bit earlier, Mr. Knieven at Mr. Coach K 15. He's always doing really cool digital work in his classroom and he's, you know, really available to share that. His retweets always seem to kind of spark my ideas. Um, one of which was even how to say thank you to our counselors. And so I stole an idea from him. Um, we need diverse books at diverse books is their Twitter handle. They're phenomenal where they try to make sure that all kids are represented in the classroom, not just the ones that maybe we normally reach for. And that one, um, and at teaching tolerance underscore org, those two websites really kind of helped me to ensure that I was being more inclusive in my practice and ensuring that all students voices are heard and are shown and respected in my class. Well, that's it for episode 14 with Stevie Frank. And remember, we don't work for Canvas. Canvas works for us. As always, we want to take a moment to recognize some of our brand new followers on social media, and we'd love to welcome them to the Canvas fam and being listeners to the podcast. Jenna Conan Simpson at Jenna Conan in Texas, Teresa O'Brien at Teresa O in Australia, Emily Craddock at EdTech ETC in sunny Florida, Jason Clark at JP Clark 03 in Oregon, as Marcus likes to say, go Ducks, Lindsay Albright at Lindsay Albright in Wyoming. Welcome to the Canvas fam and thanks for listening. 